Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. For Wednesday, October 5th, I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're taking a look at the aftermath of Hurricane Ian, a week after the event, cut a path of destruction across the middle of Florida. I've spoken with several people I know in Florida who own property there and have recounted the tale of that 24 hours. Beyond the immediate aftermath of the storm and helping those who have lost their homes, the biggest question is on the future of the market post-hurricane. Florida is no stranger to hurricanes. There was Hurricane Andrew in 1992, which caused major damage and flooding in Miami in the Florida Keys. That storm caused $25 billion in damage in those dollars, certainly much more in today's dollars. We learned a lot about critical infrastructure in that storm. I was working for Nortel at the time, and we had just installed a brand new digital telephone exchange in Canal Street in Miami. The carrier was Bell South, and they stored the battery banks which would keep the phone network running in the event of a power outage in the basement of the buildings. Flooding from the hurricanes flooded the basement and shorted out the batteries, causing an even more widespread phone outage than merely the loss of electricity. I used to own investment properties both in Pinellas County and Hillsborough County, and I spent several days in the market shopping for property in both Fort Myers and Cape Coral. In the end, I chose not to purchase down there. So many of the homes were too close to sea level for my comfort. The idea of a canal behind your home with your boat parked out back seemed pretty appealing, but the reality is that many of these properties are part of a network of man-made canals that's so extensive you might have to navigate a few miles of canal before getting to the open waters of the Gulf. You would think that people would shy away from buying in a hurricane-prone area. Did Miami lose population in the wake of Hurricane Andrew? Well, not at all. Back in 1992, Miami had a population of 4.1 million. Today, they have a population of 6.2 million. The city has added another 1.9 million people in the past 30 years since the hurricane. In fact, even in the year immediately following the hurricane, population grew in Miami. But another question is, how many of the homes in Florida are truly second homes? That's a topic of debate. According to state statistics, about 1.1 million homes, or about 14% of homes, are second homes. I believe the real number to be much, much higher. If you've lived part of your working life in New York State or Massachusetts or Connecticut, which have very high state taxes, there's a large incentive to declare Florida as your principal residence, and maybe your vacation home is in New York, Connecticut, or Massachusetts. There's no doubt that the real number of vacation homes is higher than the official number. When I visit Palm Beach, where my aunt and uncle used to have a second home, I saw very few apartments having lights on in the evenings. That suggests to me that these apartments are vacant for a large percentage of the year. Now, the current damage estimate from Hurricane Ian is preliminary at close to $100 billion, similar in scope to that of Hurricane Andrew when you take into account inflation over that 30-year period. The prediction that people will leave the state and not return is simply not realized in practice. People came back into Miami and the Florida Keys. Some people left Baton Rouge and New Orleans in the wake of Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Many of them settled in Houston. Then, of course, Houston suffered dramatically under Hurricane Harvey, which caused an estimated $125 billion in damage back in 2017. But Houston continued to grow despite the storm. In fact, Houston has added nearly another 650,000 population since Hurricane Harvey. Now, I visited the Florida Panhandle a few days after Hurricane Michael hit Panama City. I was attending an investor conference in Sandestin, a short drive from the Panama City Airport. The signs of devastation were everywhere. As we were landing, we could see the remnants of houses. 
Some had only the concrete slab remaining, and the original house was completely gone, wiped off the face of the earth. Even Panama City Beach, with a population under 20,000 people, has managed to bounce back. The population has been growing steadily. In 2010, the population was 12,000, and in 2021, the population was 18,000. Here, too, in a small town, perhaps damaged beyond recognition, it, too, has managed to bounce back. In each of these storms, only a small percentage of residents carry enough insurance to protect themselves financially from the damage. Federal disaster relief often takes years to settle, and it, too, only covers a small fraction of the damage. In past years, we've seen material prices jump in the wake of a major storm. While so far, Hurricane Ian has not caused even a blip in lumber prices. Lumber prices are up about 3% in the past week, after falling more than 20% in the two weeks prior to the hurricane. The point of this episode is to look retrospectively at a series of major storms and examine the lasting effects on the community. Communities have a way of being resilient. The first couple of years are difficult. Some individuals are very deeply affected, and I know several who have lost their homes in the past week. The needs in the market change overnight, and if you want access to opportunity, then seek to enter the market in the weeks following a major storm. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.